You're listening to the Language Assistance Podcast, brought to you by the British Council. For more information about the British Council or the Language Assistance Programme, please visit britishcouncil.org. Sipo, Yapo, Kachai, Luca. Sound familiar? Well, today's episode will transport us to the land of the poets, also known as Chile. We will hear from former ELAs, Kina and Gaurav, and then later in the episode, we'll hear from a current Chilean MLA, Christopher, who's in post in the UK. So to start with, I'm joined by two former ELAs. So we'll start with Kina and then Gaurav, if you want to give a quick introduction to who you are, when you went and where you went. Hi there, my name's Kina and I was in Santiago in Chile in 2016. So I worked as an English language assistant there and now I work on the language assistance programme with Latin America. Hi there, uh, my name is Gaurav and I was also in Chile from 2016 to 2017 and um, after going to Chile now I work for the British Council on a separate programme called Connecting Classrooms. Wonderful, so for those interested in Chile we're just going to start noting the eligibility criteria. So as well as fulfilling the general eligibility criteria you must hold a UK or Irish passport, holders of other EU passports aren't eligible for a post in Chile, and you must have B1 level Spanish. And the posts themselves, so they'll run from either the end of June until late June, so about a year long, or the end of August until the end of July, so just under a year. And we'll talk about this a bit more, but the majority of posts available are in universities and private language academies, but you might also be invited to participate in outreach projects with schools, And generally, assistants work a maximum of 20 hours per week, but occasionally you may be asked to work extra hours, and these are paid on kind of an an hourly basis. And if you're successful, please note that you'll have to apply for a visa, and this can cost up to £600. So it's worth bearing all this in mind before you apply. So with all the key points about applying and the post sorted, let's find out a bit more about Chile itself from those who've been there as an assistant. So to start with, First question, the focus of the assistantship, what is school like? What's a typical week working in a school like? So I worked in a a secondary school and a primary school in the second semester and secondary school was fantastic. The students were really engaged. I mean, to be honest, it was quite challenging at points because we were actually working on delivering an English plan, an English like um, curriculum, which was helping the teachers with it, um, which was actually a lot more fun. I did TEFL in, in Spain, for example, and you're more or less just teaching English, whereas in Chile they gave us a real responsibility in the school to actually write and plan classes for a curriculum, which was really interesting, really exciting. And yeah, I got, really got on the students really well. I thought it was really exciting. Great. And anything to add, Kina? So I was working in an adult language institute. So I was teaching mostly adult classes, and I also did some classes outside of the institute in companies. So I worked in somewhere like Santander Bank, for example, and I would go down and do classes for three people of about the same level. And I'd work from a textbook most of the time, but then I had a bit of freedom to plan some extra bits to the classes, like conversation classes or any pronunciation workshops that we could do. Great. And do either of you or both of you have a favourite lesson when you think back to those times? Is there a lesson that's stuck with you? Uh, yeah, well, just to go back to what Kina said, I actually at the start I actually worked in business English classes as well and then worked in a school and also taught in the actual academy, so it was quite a varied experience for me, so I did actually do a bit of everything. Um, I would say my favourite was probably working in the actual Language Institute um, in Chile 
because I got to know those students the best. And I think when you get to know a student over a longer period of time, you have more of a connection with them. Um, I'd probably say my favourite class was we did a lot of music classes. So like listening to the Beatles, listening to the Smiths, just like listening to basically uh, music and um, the students who were quite young were into reggaeton, obviously. And yeah, so I showed them a kind of different side of music and they really enjoyed it, I think. Well, they told me they enjoyed it. And um, they actually showed me music as well. So we did a lot of classes on music, on like famous singers and what the words meant. And I always found that was a bit more fun than, you know, doing grammar classes. So I'd say if you do go across there, I would say try and be as creative as possible with your English classes. As much as you might have a textbook, try and make it a bit more fun for you. If you're enjoying it, then the students are probably going to enjoy it as well. Um, one of my favourite classes to do is a game that's stolen from the radio called Just a Minute. So they have to speak on a subject in English for 60 seconds and you can bring in the rules one by one. So the usual rules are no hesitation, no repetition and no deviation. But you can start really basic with just no repetition. So you can try and get them to expand their vocabulary by trying different words. Um, and if they make a mistake, another person interrupts, another student interrupts and then they take over the subject. So. Um, some classes were quite hesitant at the beginning, but once they got into it and they were quite competitive, then it was really good fun. And sometimes I would do it in Spanish to kind of show to them that, like, I was learning a language as well. And in terms of the, the week itself, you're teaching sort of 20 hours or so, which does leave quite a lot of spare time to do other things. And did either of you kind of get up to other activities, extracurriculars, whether within school or outside of it? Yeah, I would say as well, just to touch on the, the 20 hours, is it put, well, that, that changed a lot for me. So if you initially go to, to South America, to Chile, and you know you start off teaching, I mean, for me, it was actually 10 hours a week, and then it went up to 15, and then it went back down to 10. So I wouldn't, if you do go over there and you're given a, you know, a, a set of hours, give it a bit of time and that might change, you know, because it is it, it's constantly changing over that. When we were there, it was changing a lot with what we were actually teaching. With regards to spare time, yeah, I, I Googled, football teams as soon as I got there and made actually a lot of friends through that. Um, I played football on a Tuesday and a Thursday and then I joined a, a Sunday league team as well and what else did we do for fun uh, apart from going out at night time. I uh, went to a lot of intercambios as well. I'd say, I mean anyone that learns Spanish I think in general intercambios can be quite challenging at times. I think you know you, you really need to, to put in the, the effort with it and it's a numbers game and I think Eventually, you will find intercambio that's that's really good and beneficial to you. And yeah, we went to quite a lot of different intercambios, especially in in Chile. There's a lot of markets available to meet people. Yeah, I think mainly sports and going out and intercambios was the main thing. And obviously, there's a lot of museums and art galleries. We were in Santiago, so there's quite a lot of um, nightlife and things and events and culture. And just quickly to be clear, if anyone isn't a Spanish speaker, could you explain what an intercambio is? Yeah, sorry. Um, so an intercambio is a language exchange um, where you'll have people, if you're in Chile, um, you'll have people that want to learn English. You might have foreign people that want to learn Spanish. So it's a, literally a language exchange. It might be worth before you do go out to South America to do an intercambio in the UK just to get a feel. It's really good to pick up a base knowledge. They're usually just conversational as well. Um, and you have people from all levels at intercambios. Um, and obviously if you're fluent in English and you have sit next to someone that has a good level of English, you can converse with them and then switch to Spanish. Yeah, I think language exchanges are a really good way to practice your Spanish and to meet new people as well. One of our friends when we were in Chile actually set up her own 
language exchange so she organized that and that was a really good way for her to meet quite a few Chilean friends and stuff um, I joined a boxing gym as well so that was quite good because nobody really spoke any English there so it was really good for my Spanish Did you pick up quite a niche vocab? Yeah <laughs> so then when I've done boxing since then in Spain it's different words that they use and it's a bit I had to like adjust my brain There's a page called on Facebook called Discover Chile um, that was quite useful because that had a lot of Chilean people as well as a lot of expats on it and there was a lot of activities on there like a lot of hill there was like weekend hill walking you know events during the week and there was quite a lot of in in Chile in general in Santiago talk Santiago but in Santiago there's a lot of different barrios that have different kind of festivals on so Barrio Italia had different things on you know in the center there was in Bay Vista so there's always different places to explore and obviously on the weekends visiting different places you also went to quite a lot of um, barbecues with your colleagues, didn't you? Yeah, so I was quite lucky in that the school that I worked in, they were very close. It was in La Florida um, and they they had a lot of asados. So asados is a, a barbecue, um, which is very popular in Chile. And they would have them quite regularly um, at the actual school on the weekends and um, yeah, just other events in the school as well. I'd say use your, use your teachers as much as possible because they'll know I actually went to a lot of football matches with one of the teachers in my school as well, Pato. He kind of took me under his arm and, or under his wing and took me to a lot of uh, a lot of football matches in Santiago. And after the, after the match, he actually took me to a few cool bars that I would never have went to if I was, you know, um, if I wasn't with him because he showed me a lot of places that I was completely unaware of. And I also, sorry, Chile has the biggest market, the biggest outdoor market in um, in the world, I think. In Santiago, it's got a really, really massive outdoor food market. You'll find it's a lot cheaper than going to the supermarket, um, these markets. And it's also a great way to learn Spanish. But when you're there, obviously, be aware of your belongings. Because um, there's always a chance that someone can take a chance. Yeah, I found uh, there was another market down the back of my like a street near my flat which it took me months to find and then eventually one day I found it by accident and actually that was it was really fun to go to because after a couple of weeks they kind of got to know who you were and you'd go along and you'd have a chat with them so that was another really nice way to kind of feel like you're a part of the community. Yeah I think no matter where you are in Chile as well like on the weekends really make the most of your weekends I think you know, if you're, you're not there for a long time and in Chile obviously you've got Patagonia in the south but along the coast, you've got some amazing places to try surfing. You've got obviously Valdivia in the south. You've got in the north. You're not far from Argentina. You're not far from, you know, Peru, Bolivia. There's so many different things you can do at the weekends and as well, different accents, to different dialects to learn Spanish. So I think make the most of your weekends. And just dwelling on the accents and dialects, I know that Chilean Spanish I guess it's different in different parts of Chile, but I remember I had a friend who came back from studying there from a semester and it is quite different, let's say, from the Spanish you might grow up learning in school. And how did you both find that? I lived in Spain um, before going to Chile, so I think I had a fairly, you know, decent level of Spanish. Um, and I remember my first kind of week there going and playing football and after playing football with a group of Chileans going to a bar and sitting down and not understanding a lot, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I picked up every, you know, a word here and there, but it was it was very difficult. Um, and I remember sitting thinking I was back to square one, but if anything, 
I think just like if you're learning English and you went to Glasgow, you'd probably struggle. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a good thing to learn different accents. And I think if you are in that position, just persevere with it. Because I remember sitting in the same bar three months later, talking to all the people and saying, I couldn't understand a word you guys were saying. And they were like, well, we don't understand your English. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's just, just keep, just persevere with it. It's, it's very challenging at first, but it's great. And you'll find yourself maybe using some of the words, uh, <laughs> which you will surprise yourself. But no, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely an experience and, and I'd say embrace it rather than, rather than anything else. Yeah. So I had studied Spanish at uni and had studied Castilian Spanish and then went to Chile and really, really struggled. But like what Gaurav was saying, like if you persevere and then by the time I got back to the UK, I decided that I was going to move to Spain for a bit because I didn't want to lose the progress that I'd made whilst I was in Chile. And then obviously when I moved to Spain, people just laughed at my Spanish, but you know, I kind of assimilated eventually. I think as well, a lot of it is relevant. So there is certain, you know, Chilean slang that, that does make, it does make sense in Castellano as well. And obviously when Chileans speak Spanish, they are understood by, by people, you know, that, that aren't uh, from Chile. It's not, there's just certain words that they use that, that, that are maybe a bit more challenging. Um, and I think if anything, it would, it would mejorar, it would improve your Spanish a lot better. <laughs> mejorar. Look at me. <laughs> it would improve your Spanish a lot better because definitely your listening would improve and you'd pay, you'd be a lot more on it. No, definitely. I think that's a really interesting point because often sort of the language will come up when people think about Chile or if they know someone that's gone there. Um, I think what you both said is is so true. Actually opening yourself up to the Spanish that you might not have been as used to, it strengthens your level. It really does strengthen your level in that language. So you spoke a bit about asados and markets, which of course is going to make me think of food. When you think of Chile and food and cuisine, is there anything that you really enjoyed or anything that um was quite kind of an interesting dish or, or something that you were surprised by uh, empanadas are good i don't eat that much meat so i can't comment on things like that that's quite a point actually kina what was it like if you if you don't eat much meat what kind of things would you eat we also had a friend who was decided to go vegan for the year that she was there and she managed it the entire time but she did a lot of cooking at home and I think because you're not earning a massive salary we I mean we didn't go out for food that often so a lot I did a lot of my cooking at home so I was able to just cook you know like if you get fresh veg and stuff from the market then it's great it's really really tasty um so that was quite good and then when you go out I mean there are like there is different cuisine so you can go to like a Peruvian place or anything like that and then you can kind of vary what you eat so there are options it's just not always the first thing on the menu yeah I think um so the main thing that we ate a lot of in the asados churipan uh, which is just chorizo and bread basically um there a lot lot of that's relatively cheap for a barbecue I think if you are not if you eat meat sorry a lot of the asados you go to a Chilean person will take over and just say like, no, don't worry, I'll I'll do this, and you're like, okay, that's fine, and they'll just cook lots of meat for you, which is which is fine. Um, what's really nice is pebre, so pebre is like a it's a, it's basically a salsa, um, it's, it's Chilean salsa, so it's just like onions and tomatoes, coriander, and then they put the pebre on top of the choripan, or you can just have it with bread, um, which is really really nice. Another thing which is quite famous there is churiano, churiana, sorry churiano. It's basically chips and meat with an egg on top of it and um, it's quite greasy but 
Chileans are very proud of it. And after football, we used to eat a lot of them and then feel quite sick. <laughs> but it's a good experience. It is a good experience. You've got to, you've got to get involved. Also, terremoto, which isn't food. Terremoto is a drink. It's an earthquake. So it's basically, I think it was German Germans that started it. They went over there and they made this drink. And when they drank it, they felt like it, they were in an earthquake. And that's why it's called terremoto. So there's lots of really famous bars where you can go and get terremotos next to the big market in Santiago. And obviously, I'm sure, in other parts of Chile as well. Um, just finally, on the part of the vegans, uh, the vegan diet, our friend um, Phoebe that Kina mentioned, she actually took us to a vegan festival. Um, I mean, a, a vegan festival is probably a stretch. A vegan day where they had like um, lots of vegan food, and there was there were places to go for vegans. Um, but I think a, a kind of key point on that is, if you are vegan and you go there, um, you know, there it might be challenging at times because we went to Argentina and did a half marathon in Mendoza. I think after the half marathon, you know, you need to eat something, <laughs> and I think Phoebe we struggled to find something a, a vegan place to go. Um, so just just be aware that you might you know eat eat some eggs or eat bread, you know, because it was quite challenging. I think in Argentina more than Chile, but maybe that's because we were in a small town to find somewhere that was vegan. Um, but obviously there are options available. But no, overall I think the food was fine. I think more than what Kina mentioned before is a good point as well that. Santiago or Chile, there's lots of places where you can go and find really good Peruvian food. Peruvian food's fantastic. I know we're talking about Chile, but Peruvian food is fantastic. And there's a lot of like really good Peruvian restaurants and they're really big on sushi in Chile as well. Um, a lot of people are into sushi. And yeah, so there is a, a wide variety and I wouldn't worry too much about the food because you can always go to the supermarket as well and make your own food. <laughs> And just kind of a, a note, you mentioned as well with the markets, kind of keep your belongings near you. Um, and on a general point in terms of kind of safety and looking out for yourself and things in Chile, how did you, you find it? What were kind of steps that you would definitely recommend to people going over? Uh, so I think from my perspective, because maybe because I've travelled quite a bit, um, I, I, I was fine. I'd never got anything happen to me at all. But I was very aware of everything, like wallet in the front pocket at all times. Don't leave your wallet on a table. You know, if your laptop's in your bag, maybe, you know, make sure it's in the inside pocket in the bag so it can't be reached easily. Don't put anything down, really, at any point. I'm sure, like, I just think if you give someone a chance to, you know, to to, to, to take your wallet or to, to, to rob you, basically, I think it's going to happen. And I think even something as innocent as somebody coming up to you saying, and you've got your wallet or your purse in your hand and them saying, excuse me, could I have some money? That even as innocent as that, that could turn into a situation where something's grabbed out of your hand and it all happens so fast. And a lot of people that we were with, it happened to, and, and I'm sure the people that we were with, it wasn't their fault. I mean, you know, they weren't looking for it, but they just gave someone an opportunity. And I think if your bag's on the floor for five minutes or for one minute, it can be snatched. If your wallet's in your back pocket, it can be snatched. So just be really aware. I think in general, I found Chile to be actually quite safe in my in my but that was because i was quite aware of my surroundings and if there was there was also another thing about the protest there was quite a lot of protests when we were there and i think if you just you make sure that you're in a safe you know a safe environment um, and don't give someone an opportunity but there's always that element of danger and just be, be very aware of it i think yeah i'd agree i think chile made me a lot more aware of like where my stuff is at all times and even now that i'm back in the uk i am a lot more cautious about where you know where my phone is where my bank card is um, so yeah I think just try and make sure you keep it safe and make sure that you're aware of your surroundings and if anyone's too close to you or anything like that then just kind of get try and get a bit of space or whatever 
Um, and yeah, obviously in the last year there have been a lot of, there were a lot of protests in Chile towards the end of the last year, which um, had quite an impact on our assistants that were out there at the time. So a lot of them either had their classes cancelled or um, had a bit of a difficult journey to work or had to work online, that kind of thing. I think, I think something that's key as well is in the UK, we're quite, we're quite used to just putting our phones on the table. So when you go to a bar or a restaurant, you put your phone on the table, you put your wallet on the table and it's just, you know, that's fine. But I think in, in Chile and even in South America in general, if you're sitting outside, a lot of the times you're sitting outside a, 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 outside a restaurant or outside a bar on a street. And if your phone or your wallet's on the table, it's so easy just to be picked up. And I think that's something that's really actually that, that I found that's quite difficult to get used to is putting my phone in my pocket when I was sitting down. And it sounds so trivial. It doesn't sound like that's a difficult thing to do, but it's so easily done. And that's not just obviously in South America. That happens a lot in Europe of people just taking things off the tables. And I always remember one of the Chilean teachers saying to me, it was like, they're not thieves, they're magicians, which was quite, it was quite actually quite interesting for him to say that. It was like the way that it, that it happens, it's actually like magic. Sometimes you'll just, it'll happen so fast and so amazingly that you're like, how did they even do that? So I think take that into account, the fact of it's just that there's, yeah, they're very skilled in what they do. So just make sure don't give them an opportunity. Yeah, because after we did the half marathon that you mentioned, I had one of my pockets open in my puffer jacket and a guy managed to take... Oh, that's right, yeah. I think it would have been the equivalent of about a fiver, but it was the only cash that I had on me out of my pocket. And like whilst, you know, like on my body, managed to take it out of my pocket without me noticing. And it was only because he bent down after that to pretend to tie his shoelace that I was like, well, that's a bit weird. And then I checked my pockets and realised it was gone. Um and then chase them down the street and got it back. But, um, so, yeah. It's in like an instant, it's in like a split second. It's so fast. But, you know, it won't happen to everyone. <laughs> that's very safe. That's the thing, if you don't, but as much as you say, if you don't, if you don't give that opportunity, like it won't happen. That's the, if you're, if you're not in that situation, it actually won't happen. And that's why it didn't happen to me. And I'm very lucky for that. But I feel like I didn't give that opportunity. I never, I don't remember putting my bag down or leaving my wallet on the table or those types of things. So maybe that was less, I don't know, and, and even something, I don't know if this, I should say this, but one of the things that our friend was on the phone walking down the street and the phone got, the phone got grabbed out of her hat. She was, you know, this again, this is not her fault. She's walking down the street on her phone. But then again, you know, the opportunities there, someone's seen an opportunity, they've cycled past and they've grabbed the phone out of her hand. Now that can happen in London, obviously, as well, but you just need to be aware of it, I think. And yeah, and after that, she obviously wasn't on her phone down the street, so. When you talk about Chilean culture, what does that mean to you from your experience? So I think Ch Chileans are quite proud of obviously Chilean food. So I thought we talked a bit about asados before in Churiano. Churiano, there's there's a lot more examples of Chilean food that I can't think of just now, but they're very proud of their own food and their own cultures. Also dancing quicker. I think that when I talk about the culture, one of my students was really big with that. And he would always tell me about things that I should be doing or places that I should be going to and also um, sports. So when we were there, Santiago were doing really well in the Copa America. So they're really big into football. Um, so even if you, you know, maybe you don't like football, I'd say go to a bar with a Chilean person and watch a football match would be quite nice. They've got a lot of different teams in Chile and they're quite fanatical about it. Just obviously be careful if you do go to a game, not to push the point at Santiago, but Santiago's got a lot of everything because it is a capital city. There's so many different things happening there. I'm sure these that happen just out in other cities as well, but there was a lot of you know i would say that film festival the vegan festival and then just random markets on a sunday um so yeah there's a lot there in 
in terms of accommodation, was that a nightmare to find? Was it fairly easy? <laughs> I can see from your reactions, potentially, potentially difficult. I spent some time living on Gaurav's sofa. It was very kind of him to let me live on his sofa. <laughs> no, I am. Um, so when you first arrive, depending on who uh, you're going to be working with, you might get accommodation. Um, and it's usually for two weeks or for four weeks. So I stayed with a Chilean lady called Maritza when I arrived for the first four weeks. And then after that, I mean, you have the option if you want to, you can stay with them for the rest of the time. But I decided to move out. So I moved out with one of the other language assistants and we got a place. Um, but we, in the end, didn't have a fridge or a kitchen or any Wi-Fi. So we had to change accommodation. And then... I stayed on Gaurav's sofa for a while and then I found another place which ended up being where I lived. Um, so I lived with a Chilean guy quite close to the centre, um, just in a modern apartment block and it was really easy to find. I mean, I went to the, I went to a viewing, I think, on Thursday evening and then I moved my stuff in on the Friday afternoon. So it was quite a quick turnaround. It's not as rigid as I've found it since then in the UK. So yeah, I think... <laughs> Chile, from my experience, Santiago is probably one of the most challenging places to find accommodation. That's that's the, that's the honest truth with it. But in the first instance, I lived with a family, just like Kina, which is fantastic. And I think if you are living with a family for the first month, really use that month to go to as many viewings as possible. Um, if you're in Santiago, regardless where you are, I would just say to kind of get a feel for it, view as many places as you can. Because I knew that I was going to go travelling over the kind of Christmas holidays or the summer holidays over there, I got quite a nice flat with my student loan, a one-bedroom flat for three months. It was quite expensive, but it had a gym in the rooftop and it had a swimming pool on the rooftop, which might not be possible for everyone. But I did that for three months, and I probably, if I could go back, I probably wouldn't do that again because I spent a lot of money, but it was really good. <laughs> um, the following three months when I came back from travelling, I got I lived in a big house in Bella Vista with loads of different students, which was fantastic. And then I, I moved again to a three-bedroom flat with... Um, a Mexican couple and a Venezuelan guy and that was the best one so I think if I could go back I would just look for that, fl that three bedroom flat with a Venezuelan guy and a, Mex and a Mexican couple because it was a decent price and it was a really nice flat to live in it was just quite challenging to find but I think you just you really need to persevere with it and there'll be times where you'll be looking at flats and thinking I'm never going to find somewhere to live <laughs> I'm going to sleep on my pal's couch for a week. It's, it's challenging, but you will you will find it. Just keep going at it and use all of the different websites. So we talked about Discover, Discover Chile earlier in the podcast. Discover Chile, if you post on that website, on that Facebook page, sorry, I am looking for a flat in Valdivia, in you know Valparaiso, Santiago. Guaranteed someone on there will give you advice or put, point in the right direction. Or if you go direct to an estate agent and say, look, we can find a three-bedroom flat and find two people to move in with. Again, that might be a longer lease. Your best bet is just like spare room um, and finding it. But I'd say just exhaust all of your options. I can't remember the other website, Kina. Can you remember what it was called? There was one called Yapo. Yapo, yeah. And there was quite a lot of just rooms for rent on there. Um, or yeah, like you say, there's Facebook groups and stuff. I think... Um, because of the salary in Chile, if you're living in Santiago, you will be spending about half of your wages on your rent. Um, so that is obviously, it's quite tough. Um, but we had, uh, to just give a different perspective, we had a friend down in Valdivia and she was the only language assistant down there. So she initially was 
uh, staying with the host family for the first couple of weeks and then she decided to move in with uh, Chileans and she lived with Chileans the entire time and she's still in touch with them four years later and um, she got on really well with them and since then previous assistants have co coincidentally lived with the same Chileans so um, that's just another perspective from a from a different city I think she found it a lot harder to find somewhere because there's just not as many options there's not as many adverts when you're outside of Santiago but you you know you will always find somewhere in the end and you can also talk to your mentor teacher or to anybody else at the school because they'll know the they might know the local area and they'll be able to give you advice on where it's good to live and if they know anybody who's renting a room yeah we went to visit her in Valdivia and I remember what she told me that she was paying and I think it was half of what I was paying in Santiago um which was quite painful and she was also living with Chileans and you know she, her, Sp her Spanish was a lot better than, than ours was I felt because of that, I think she'd made a real progression and all of her friends were chilling, which was really class. Um, and just, just to go back to what Kina said about um, using your teachers, I actually just remember, see, the flat that I found in the end was through someone I played football with and someone, the other teacher in my school found their flat through one of the teachers in school. So as much as we talked about using the websites, really use your contacts in the school and if you're you know, going to intercambios or sports events, it's really worth just, just putting the question out there, like, do you know a flat or do you know anyone that would have a flat? Because you might find something that way as well. And in terms of people who are maybe preparing, if anyone's been allocated to Chile or in the future is listening to this podcast before they go, um, what do you think are the most important things to prepare before you go and take with you really as well? Warm clothes, definitely take warm clothes. Um, obviously it's nice in the summertime but it's quite cold in September. Um, so take like a take a decent warm jacket and like yeah just generally take like decent clothes because it does get quite cold there. I would also say um, if you're going to go travelling, so I I, I kind of prepared for the the, the summer months because we knew that we were going to get the set uh, January and February off. Um, so I knew that I was going to kind of go travelling a little bit. So I would say take a, obviously a decent backpack if you're going to do that, like a decent to go backpacking with. Um, and like thermals and things like that and obviously like I don't know what you know probably laugh but I took like the you know the travel pillow and the eye mask and because you might be sleeping in airports or on the floors of uh, airports um, hopefully not but that's what I was doing some of the time yeah good book and just I, on the point made before about one of our friends took like her iMac Kindle iPad I remember she like oh uh, different types of gadgets things like that I would say just be a bit careful with what you're taking and only take the essentials because okay I mean if you're going to take your Kindle and your laptop that's fine but just be very wary that they're quite expensive and if you lose them you know it's, it's a big deal um, and obviously yeah that's that's she did lose her Kindle I think and she's quite upset about that so you just be careful if you're taking a lot of valuables. One thing that I found really useful to bring which somebody told me before I went was a uh an extension cable with UK plug sockets because then you only need one adapter for, to plug it into the wall and it's European adapters it's the same as the European ones that you'd have to go on holiday to Spain um, and then you can just plug all your chargers or your laptop or whatever into that that's my most useful tip yeah I was gonna I was gonna say like trekking stuff because we did quite a lot of treks in Chile so in Santiago you're quite close to a lot of decent mountains and even the, there's not just Santiago, sorry, in the whole of Chile, there's lots of like um, good places to go trekking. And I wish I'd taken decent walking boots with me. I know walking boots take up quite a lot of space. Um, and, but I did a lot of it just in trainers, so it was it was all right. But, you know, we, there's a lot of um, really cool places to trek, not just in Chile and in Bolivia. If you end up doing the salt flats, a few days of that is um, a lot of mountain kind of walking. 
Um, and we also took our running stuff with us because we did quite a few races, like 10Ks and half marathons. And then obviously I took my football stuff as well. And do you have a kind of favourite memory or something that when you think back on your time in Chile, you think back with lots of fondness? Yeah, no, I did, I did have a few good memories. I think um, we, had a, we had a nice birthday party. Um, Kina, Lauren and me all have our birthdays in December. So we had quite a nice birthday in my rooftop in my, in my flat. And uh, we invited all of our friends and had the biggest saddle, which was really, really nice. Also, Independence Day, the 18th or the 19th of September, maybe. The family I was living with had like a nice party and they had all their friends round and they were we were drinking terremotos again, they had an asado. Um and just finally one one of my favourite ones was actually not in Chile but it was going to Machu Picchu. I thought that was a really life changing experience. I think uh, if you get the chance to go to Peru, Peru is a fantastic country, it's really beautiful, as well as Bolivia and Argentina, I think, you know, make the most of being so close to these countries. Um I had a really nice experience where my parents were able to come over. Um, to visit and me and one of the other assistants and my mum and dad went down to like the north of Patagonia so not all the way down um, and we went for a few days camping and just walked around there and it was just it was so nice just being away from everything because there's one road that goes through there's maybe a couple of shops on the way down and you just bring all your food all your supplies you need like a wee gas stove and we just kind of did that for a few days so that was really really nice that was a good experience lovely well thank you both so so much they are all my questions and i think we've covered some really key topics there and just hearing about what what life was like really and all the really key things people should bear in mind before they go and also while they're out there so that was super helpful um thank you so much again is there any final kind of remarks you want to make i would just say if you are going um to make the most of it like i know i've mentioned it a few times in this podcast but if you are going there um you know regardless of what city you're in use your weekends wisely go on trips if you've got chilean teachers or chilean friends really really you know utilize those friendships and spend time with them because not only are they going to show you what actual chileans do but you're going to learn the language from them and learn the culture from them and i think the main thing to take away from these trips is really getting to know the culture getting to know the people and you know obviously it's nice to speak in English but you can do that almost any time and you're there for a reason you're there for a purpose so really use that and um, it doesn't have to be chilling people you know anyone from from South America but just use it most use them wisely and enjoy it as best you can yeah I think I've been really lucky from working on this program to speak to a lot of people who have done their year abroad or have been a language assistant and to hear about some of the stuff that they achieved or the stuff that they got involved in makes me look back at what I did and I think if I was able to go back and do it again I'd obviously be a lot more confident going back into it um, and I'd make a lot more of every opportunity and just I mean I, I did a lot and I enjoyed it but I just think there's a lot more things I could have done um, to kind of get more involved and have more of a longer lasting connection with Chile so yeah. Aye, just a final point as well. Sorry, you get a lot of down. You might have a lot of downtime. So I didn't actually expect to have as much downtime as I did when I was in Santiago in Chile. The first like, few months, I had a lot of time of not doing anything, and I wish I'd maybe prepared a bit more during that time. Like I had my dissertation due the following year, and I kept on saying, oh, "I'll do my dissertation. I'll start." But if you're actually doing it in, on on something that's chilling or on anything, you can use that time wisely. So if you're in your year abroad and you do have a dissertation due, you know you can start planning that or just plan general things to do, because you, you'll probably find you get more downtime than you expect. Cool, wicked. Thank you both so much for joining me today and really enjoyed listening to, to your stories about Chile.
Hi, I'm Christopher Barra. I'm from Chile, from the eighth region of Chile, which is Concepcion. And I arrived here the 15th of October, and I had to do two weeks of quarantine. And now I'm living in Kodash, Tachum, and I'm working at boarding school for uh, of girls. So, so far it has been really amazing. <laughs> Excellent. And have there been any things that you've noticed uh, culture-wise between the UK and Chile that are really similar or really different? Yeah, really, I have found very... I mean, many differences, actually. It has, been, it has been hard to find similarities about Chilean culture and British culture. But for example, the differences are that they're very stick to the rules, that, which is amazing because okay. everything is always planned and you have to follow the rules. And if you follow the rules, actually it works. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And also I have realized that uh, probably it's because of technology, but older people is very fun of technology and they really know how to use it, which it doesn't happen in Chile. So for example, in the school, we have a lot of secretaries that are very, with an advanced age, I can say, and they all manage how to stuff through the computers, through cell phones. So you actually don't see very often that in Chile. So okay. that, that's another difference. And also the public transport, because in Chile where I live, Public transport is very, very cheap. I mean, if I, can, if I can compare it with pounds, probably I would spend way less than a pound to travel and come back to my house. But here is very, very expensive. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's another difference. Yeah, but yeah, I find I find that when I was in Chile, the the public transport was very cheap um, yes. compared to the UK. But because I was earning less, it was still like, oh, it's so expensive to take one metro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, but in Santiago, that's the thing. In Santiago, public transport is is, is expensive for me that yeah. I'm from Concepcion. But in Concepcion, it's very cheap. So being here and having to take the, for example, the train to another city, the other day I went to a wedding and. It was very expensive. It costs like yeah. seven pounds to travel there. So it's yeah. like Siete Lucas, Chilenas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an investment, definitely. Yes. What is your favorite thing about um, Chilean culture or what kind of cultural things should our English language assistants expect when they arrive to Chile? Yeah, the, I mean, the most that I like from Chile is or shall I say Chile? <laughs> because we had this English, exact discussion. Yeah, English speakers say Chile. Well, the most that I like from Chile is um, probably the, the expressions, because we tend to use these po, cachai, which are very useful in daily days, yeah. But here it has been very hard to use these kind of expressions, because I studied English, and I learned English through six years in my life, Probably I still make mistakes, but I had to learn like in a formal way. So colloquial expressions, sometimes I don't know them. So it's hard to introduce them in, in my vocabulary. <laughs> the girls in the school have taught me I, a lot of expressions. So I try to use them. <laughs> cool. And also what I what I like the most in Chile is the bread. <laughs> that he, yeah, that he, yes. here they don't have bread in shops. For example, in, in, every day in, in Chile you have, you have to go for the bread. 
But here, yes, it's like white meal. Do you say white meal bread? Uh, white or whole meal yeah, bread. Whole meal yeah. bread. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, I, I can eat, for example, a whole bag of bread and I'm still hungry. Yeah. But in Chile, you eat like <laughs> five pieces of bread and you are like full, completely full. You can survive with bread. What's the name again of the, the bread that's like the four pieces all stuck together? Ah, uh, yeah, we have, yeah, it has different names. For example, in Santiago, they call it pan batido. Yeah. But where I live, we call it uh, marraqueta or pan francés. Yeah, and we also have these uh, flat ones that are called ayuya. No, that, that's very good. Yeah, I, I think that's the most common one. I mean, if you go to the shopping and buy bread, you usually buy a lot of ayuyas and just one or two, two pan francés. Nice. Well, that leads us perfectly into my next question, which is, yeah. what is your favorite food in Chile? So obviously bread is really high up on the list. What other things <laughs> yeah. do you enjoy eating? Basis, yeah, bread. And also what I, yeah, it's funny because when you are in Chile, I mean, when you're a person that lived all his life in Chile, you tend to, probably I don't like to eat in soup or cazuelas, that kind of stuff. But here, being here and having to cook by myself, I really miss, for example, having a cazuela or lentejas, which are lentils. Yeah. Took some lentils and yeah, they taste like home. So. Yeah. And is there anything in particular that you that you miss from home or anything that you brought with you from home to use in school to show the girls stuff from Chile? Yeah, basically what, what I miss the most probably is the climate because we would have been in in spring. Yeah. So, even though it rains a lot, spring is is warmer. Well, what I brought from Chile was an emboque. Do you know emboque? No. It's a, a typical game from Chile, which has a stick and uh, another object that it's attached with, with a string. So you have to play with it and try to embocar. <laughs> it, it's, okay. You have to look it up. It, it's an Ooh. emboque. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and also I brought a lot of uh, these magazines which are called Condorito. Yeah, the cartoon, no? Yeah, 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 I used to yeah, I used to read them a lot of when when I was a child and I brought them here to to show them to the girls. And and yeah, I, I think that's that's what I brought from Chile and also Chilean coins. You used to get paid in Chile, you would have all these different colors of notes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes as well. And also yeah. what I brought was the the bus tickets because in Concepcion every bus has a different kind of ticket because it's very small but it's very it has a particular uh, picture or a particular color depending on, on the bus that you take the girls that you're teaching did they already know anything about Chilean culture or is it all new to them are you teaching them a lot of new things yeah some of them know about Chile because for example I have two students that one of them her mother is Chilean and I have another student that her mother is Argentinian, so they know more or less about Chile. But there are others that don't know even where it is. So I have to teach them that, for example, yeah. Chile is in South America. Most of them think that I am from Peru. Most of them that <laughs> the only the only country that speaks Spanish is, is is Spain. So I have to teach them that, for example, in South America we have several countries that also speak Spanish. So yeah, that, yeah. that, that that's been. How can I say, like mind blowing for them? Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine so. We have we have this conversation a lot because I work mostly, but I work with Latin America, um, 
and especially with uh, we do interviews for Spanish teachers in the future yeah. so people who are going to study at university in the UK to be Spanish teachers and anybody who's Latino who comes to the interview and they talk about Latino culture I'm like yes 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 <laughs> it's missing so much from classrooms in the UK and it breaks yeah. my heart because there's so much to learn it's so diverse it's so fascinating yes. and you know like if we can have assistance from Chile or Mexico or Colombia and they can come into the classroom and they can teach a little bit to kind of catch their interest yeah, in the absolutely. content it's yeah just yeah yeah but I think it's mainly because of these standardized uh, tests that they have the A levels in which yeah. everything is based on Spain or the, because that the standard Spanish so they have to yeah. teach expression of Spain so I also had to learn expression from Spain. Yeah. Expression that I didn't know. For example, the other day I learned the the word novillos. That, for example, when you skip classes or you don't go to, you're supposed to go to the school, but you don't. So you go to another place. <laughs> we we say hacer la cimarra. The other day, a student told me, "Is eh, novillos?" And I was like, "What is novillos?" Oh, and she explained cool. me that in Spain, when you don't go to school, when you are supposed to go to a school, but you don't, yeah, and you go yeah. with your friends to some, some, somewhere else, you, to access novillos. And it was like mind blowing for me. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a two way learning. Yeah. <laughs> I have to learn Sp Spanish from Spain, new expression in English. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that has been funny. Obviously, we're in lockdown just now, but when you get the chance, where are you most looking forward to exploring? Yeah, I wanted to go to to Southampton and probably some parts of the north. Well, any place that I could know, I think that would be experience because this is my first time out of Chile. So it's my first time in Europe as well. So, cool. I mean, every place that I could know, it would be great. I recommend Scotland. Scotland? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm here just more like, It's like more, con more like countryside? Yeah, there's, um, well, it's a lot smaller than England. So you, you have the cities, but they're very close to the countryside. So I'm from Edinburgh, where you have the castle and you have the city centre. And ah, then yeah, all yeah. of a sudden you have the sea and the, and the mountains. And they're like areas that are very near to the countryside because yeah. I really like that because I'm from Concepcion and Concepcion yeah. is very quiet it makes so sense. for example for me that I'm from Chile go to Concepcion from Concepcion to Santiago Santiago is very noisy and arriving yeah. here which is very it's not like countryside but it's very apart from the city so yeah. it's also very quiet and I had had the opportunity to see a lot of different birds I, I also knew squirrels because in Chile we don't have squirrels. Yeah. That has been great as well. Obviously, when people apply to Chile, they think, oh, I'll go to Santiago because it's the biggest city. That's the biggest mistake that you can make if you apply. I'm not saying that Santiago is, is ugly, but it's <laughs> a city. So you mo mostly have buildings and <laughs> sometimes angry people because the traffic there is horrible. So probably if you go to Concepcion, you will have the chance. I mean, if you apply to a... Um, to a placement in, in Chile, you will have to go to several beaches, you will have the opportunity to go to the countryside, and if you apply to the south, you will have very beautiful places to go, so you have, for example, in the south, Capilla de Marmol, which is beautiful, you have to look it up in, in Google, but it's beautiful. Uh, in the north, you have San Pedro Atacama, 
which is also very, very beautiful. And yeah, I mean, wherever you go in Chile is very beautiful. People in Concepcion are very nice. I mean, if you ask someone in the streets uh, some address or, or anything, they, they will tell you. Yeah, that's, that's the difference in, in Santiago. In Santiago, people don't tend to do that. And also, Concepcion is very small, so it's very easy to travel. I mean, it takes you like half an hour to go anywhere. And public transport, as I, as I said, it is very cheap. So you, you will really enjoy it if you go to Concepcion. Amazing. Thank you. You've been listening to the Language Assistance Podcast, brought to you by the British Council. For more information about the British Council or the Language Assistance Programme, please visit britishcouncil.org. Or why not follow the Language Assistance Programme on Twitter at LanguageASST.